0: Chapter 36 of The History of Pendennis. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Pall Gazette. Considerable success at first attended the new journal. It was generally stated that an influential political party supported the paper and great names were cited amongst the contributors to its columns. Was there any foundation for these rumours? We are not at liberty to say whether they were ill-founded, but this much we may divulge. An article upon foreign policy, which was generally attributed to Noble Lord, whose connection with the foreign office is very well known, was in reality composed by captain shandon in the parlour of the bear and staff public-house near whitehall stairs whither the printer's boy had tracked him and where a literary ally of his mr Bloodure, had a temporary residence and that a series of papers on finance questions which were universally supposed to be written by a great statesman of the house of commons were in reality composed by mr george warrington of the upper temple That there may have been some dealings between the Mall Gazette and this influential party is very possible. Percy Popjoy, whose father, Lord Falconet, was a member of the party, might be seen not unfrequently ascending the stairs to Warrington's chambers, and some information appeared in the paper which gave it a character and could only be got from very peculiar sources. Several poems feeble in thought but loud and vigorous in expression appeared in the pall mall gazette with the signature of p p and it must be owned that his novel was praised in the new journal in a very outrageous manner in the political department of the paper mr penn did not take any share but he was a most active literary contributor the Pall Mall gazette had its offices as we have heard in catherine street in the strand and hither pen often came with his manuscripts in his pocket and with a great deal of bustle and pleasure such as a man feels at the outset of his literary career when to see himself in print is still a novel sensation and he yet pleases himself to think that his writings are creating some noise in the world here it was that mr jack Funicane the sub-editor compiled with paste and scissors the journal of which he was supervisor with an eagle eye he scanned all the paragraphs of all the newspapers which had anything to do with the world of fashion over which he presided he didn't let a death or a dinner party of the aristocracy pass without having the event recorded in the columns of his journal and from the most recondite provincial prints and distant scotch and irish newspapers he fished out astonishing paragraphs and intelligence regarding the upper classes of society it was a grand nay a touching sight for a philosopher to see jack finucani esq with a plate of meat from the cook-shop and a glass of porter from the public house for his meal recounting the feasts of the great as if he had been present at them and in tattered trousers and dingy shirt-sleeves cheerfully describing and arranging the most brilliant fates of the world of fashion the incongruity of Finucane's avocation and his manners and appearance amused his new friend pen since he left his own native village where his rank probably was not very lofty jack had seldom seen any society but such as used the parlor of the taverns which he frequented whereas from his writing you would have supposed that he dined with ambassadors and that his common lounge was the bow-window of whites errors of description it is true occasionally slipped from his pen but the Bellinifod sentinel of which he was own correspondent suffered by these not the pall mall gazette in which jack was not permitted to write much his london chiefs thinking that the scissors and the paste were better wielded by him than the pen pen took a great deal of pains with the writing of his reviews and having a pretty fair share of desultory reading acquired in the early years of his life an eager fancy and a keen sense of fun his articles pleased his chief and the public and he was proud to think that he deserved the money which he earned we may be sure that the pall mall gazette was taken in regularly at fair oaks and read with delight by the two ladies there it was received at clavering park too where we know that there was a young lady of great literary tastes and old dr portman himself to whom the widow sent her paper after she had got her son's articles by heart signified his approval of pen's productions saying that the lad had spirit taste and fancy and wrote if not like a scholar at any rate like a gentleman and what was the astonishment and delight of our friend major pendennis on walking into one of his clubs the regent where wenham lord falconet and some other gentlemen of good reputation and fashion were assembled to hear them one day talking over a number of the pall mall gazette and of an article which appeared in its columns making some bitter fun of the book recently published by the wife of a celebrated member of the opposition party the book in question a book of travels in spain and italy by the countess of muffborough in which it was difficult to say which was the most wonderful the french or the english in which languages her ladyship wrote indifferently and upon the blunders of which the critic pounced with delightful mischief the critic was no other than pen he jumped and danced round about his subject with the greatest jocularity and high spirits he showed up the noble lady's faults with admirable mock gravity and decorum. There was not a word in the article which was not polite and gentlemanlike, and the unfortunate subject of the criticism was scarified and laughed at during the operation. Wenham's bilious countenance was puckered up with malign pleasure as he read the critique. Lady Muthborough had not asked him to her parties during the last year lord falconet giggled and laughed with all his heart lord muffborough and he had been rivals ever since they began life and these complimented major pendennis who until now had scarcely paid any attention to some hints which his fair oaks correspondence threw out of dear arthur's constant and severe literary occupations which a fear may undermine the poor boy's health and had thought any notice of mr penn and his newspaper connections quite below his dignity as a major and a gentleman but when the oracular wenham praised the boy's production when lord falconet who had had the news from percy popjoy approved of the genius of young penn when the great lord stane himself to whom the major referred the article laughed and sniggered over it swore it was capital that the muffborough would writhe under it like a whale under a harpoon the major as in duty bound began to admire his nephew very much and said by gad, the young rascal had some stuff in him and would do something he always said he would do something and with a hand quite tremulous with pleasure the old gentleman sat down to write to the widow at fair oaks all that the great folks had said in praise of pen and he wrote to the young rascal, too, asking when he would come and eat a chop with his old uncle, and saying that he was commissioned to take him to dinner at Gaunt House, for Lord Steyne liked anybody who could entertain him, whether by his folly, wit, or by his dullness, by his oddity, affectation, good spirits, or any other quality. Penn flung his letter across the table to Warrington. Perhaps he was disappointed that the other did not seem to be much affected by it. The courage of young critics is prodigious, they clamber up to the judgment seat and with scarce a hesitation give their opinion upon works the most intricate or profound had macaulay's history or herschel's astronomy been put before pen at this period he would have looked through the volumes meditated his opinion over a cigar and signified his august approval of either author as if the critic had been their born superior and indulgent master and patron by the help of the biography universal or the british museum he would be able to make a rapid resume of a historical period and allude to names dates and facts in such a masterly easy way as to astonish his mamma at home who wondered where her boy could have acquired such a prodigious store of reading and himself too when he came to read over his articles two or three months after they had been composed and when he had forgotten the subject in the books which he had consulted at that period of his life mr Penn owns that he would not have hesitated at twenty-four hours notice to pass his opinion upon the greatest scholars or to give a judgment upon the encyclopaedia luckily he had warrington to laugh at him and to keep down his impertinence by a constant and wholesome ridicule or he might have become conceited beyond all sufferance for shandon liked the dash and flippancy of his young aide-de-camp and was indeed better pleased with pen's light and brilliant flashes than with the heavier metal which his elder coadjutor brought to bear but though he might justly be blamed on the score of impertinence and a certain prematurity of judgment mr pen was a perfectly honest critic a great deal too candid for mr bungay's purposes indeed who grumbled sadly at his impartiality Penn and his chief the captain had a dispute upon this subject one day in the name of common sense mr pendennis shandon asked what have you been doing praising one of mr bacon's books bungay has been with me in a fury this morning at seeing a laudatory article upon one of the works of the odious firm over the way Penn's eyes opened with astonishment do you mean to say he asked that we are to praise no books that Bacon publishes, or that if the books are good, we are to say that they are bad? My good friend! For what do you suppose a benevolent publisher undertakes a critical journal, to benefit his rival? Shandon inquired. To benefit himself, certainly, but to tell the truth, too. Penn said, Ruat Kualem, to tell the truth. And my prospectus— said shandon with a laugh and a sneer do you consider that was a work of mathematical accuracy of statement pardon me that is not the question penn said and i don't think you very much care to argue it i had some qualms of conscience about that same prospectus and debated the matter with my friend warrington we agreed however penn said laughing that because the prospectus was rather declamatory and poetical and the giant was painted upon the show-board rather larger than the original who was inside the caravan, we need not be too scrupulous about this trifling inaccuracy, but might do our part of the show without loss of character or remorse of conscience. We are the fiddlers and play our tunes only. You are the showman. And the leader of the van, said Shandon. Well, I am glad that your conscience gave you leave to play for us. Yes, but— said Pan, with a fine sense of the dignity of his position. "'We are all party men in England, and will stick to my party like a Briton. I will be as good-natured as you like to our own side. He is a fool who quarrels with his own nest, and I will hit the enemy as hard as you like, but with fair play, Captain, if you please. One can't tell all the truth, I suppose, but one can tell nothing but the truth, and I would rather starve by Jove and never earn another penny by my pen.' This redoubted instrument had now been in use for some six weeks, and Penn spoke of it with vast enthusiasm and respect. Then strike an opponent with an unfair blow, or if called upon to place him, rank him below his honest desert. Well, Mr. Pendennis, when we want Bacon smashed, we must get some other hammer to do it, Shannon said with fatal good nature, and very likely thought within himself, a few years hence. "'Perhaps the young gentleman won't be so squeamish. "'The veteran Condottiere himself was no longer so scrupulous. "'He had fought and killed on so many a side for many a year's past "'that remorse had long left him. "'Gad!' said he. "'You've a tender conscience, Mr. Pendennis. "'It's the luxury of all novices, and I may have had one once myself. "'But that sort of bloom wears off with the rubbing of the world.' "'and I'm not going to trouble myself of putting on an artificial complexion "'like our pious friend, Wenham, or our model of virtue, Wag. "'I don't know whether some people's hypocrisy is not better, Captain, than others' cynicism.' "'It's more profitable, at any rate,' said the captain, biting his nails. "'That Wenham is as dull a quack as ever quacked, "'and you see the carriage in which he drove to dinner.' faith it'll be a long time before mrs Shandon will take a drive in her own chariot god help her poor thing and pen went away from his chief after their little dispute and colloquy pointing his own moral to the captain's tale and thinking to himself behold this man stored with genius wit learning and a hundred good natural gifts see how he has wrecked them by paltering with his honesty and forgetting to respect himself wilt thou remember thyself o pen thou art conceited enough wilt thou sell thy honour for a bottle no by heaven's grace we will be honest whatever befalls and our mouths shall only speak the truth when they open a punishment or at least a trial was in store for mr pen in the very next number of the pall mall gazette warrington read out with roars of laughter an article which by no means amused arthur pendennis who was himself at work with a criticism for the next week's number of the same journal and in which the spring annual was ferociously maltreated by some unknown writer the person of all most cruelly mauled was pen himself his verses had not appeared with his own name in the spring annual but under an assumed signature As he had refused to review the book, Shandon had handed it over to Mr. Bludger, with directions to that author to dispose of it. And he had done so effectually. Mr. Bludger, who was a man of very considerable talent and of a race which, I believe he is quite extinct in the press of our time, had a certain notoriety in his profession and reputation for savage humor." he smashed and trampled down the poor spring flowers Then, with no more mercy than a bull would have on a parterre, and having cut up the volume in his heart's content, went and sold it at a bookstall, and purchased a pint of brandy with the proceeds from the volume. End of chapter 36 Recording by Joseph Tabler